Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Last night, President Joe Biden delivered his first. State of the Union address. The president declared that the State of the Union is strong. Is he right? What has gone right? What has gone wrong? What could be done better? And how does President Biden plan to lead the country moving forward? We want to go past just some of the big headline components of the speech, get behind and see what that actually means for all of us moving forward. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, as we've looked at most of the analysis of the president's speech last night, I think it was a workmanlike speech for the president, which is a good space for him to be in. Uh, I think everyone, you know, would love for him to be a Barack Obama or a President Clinton or a President Reagan, and he's just not. So uh, I think it's actually smarter for the president to not try to be that, to just be himself. And I think he did a much better job of that over the course of the speech last night. I do think he he strained and stretched a little bit uh, that fell a little bit flat, but that's normal. Again, these are uh, significant speeches Uh, in terms of the overall speech. Obviously, the the framing of it, uh, beginning with Ukraine, uh, was uh, was important because that really was the unifying moment. I think there were a lot of components to the speech that were a little disconnected. Uh, and very hard for the American people to feel like they're in alignment with what they're living every day. Uh, and that has been a challenge for the president and for the administration, is to talk about things in a way that can validate what they have done and what they hope to do next, while reassuring the American people that what you're experiencing will get better. Uh, and that's just the challenging part of it. Uh, So one of the things that the president did uh, that he announced in the course of the speech last night was that his administration would be releasing oil reserves to help blunt the impact of the sanctions uh, on Russia. I'm taking robust action to make sure the pain of our sanctions is targeted at Russian economy and that we use every tool at our disposal to protect American businesses and consumers. Tonight, I can announce the United States has worked with 30 other countries to release 60 million barrels of oil from reserves around the world. America will lead that effort. Releasing 30 million barrels of our own strategic petroleum reserve. And we stand ready to do more if necessary, united with our allies. 
These steps will help blunt gas prices here at home. So in in announcing that, uh, of course, to uh, applause, as everyone has a copy of the speech there, and 60 million uh, is about two and a half days worth of oil, I believe. And of course, 30 million of that is coming out of our own reserve. And so the American people are struggling with that component, uh, recognizing that they're paying more at the pump, that those higher gas prices are also impacting the cost of everything else. And that inflation is not uh, something that is brand new in the last seven days since Russia invaded Ukraine. They've been feeling that for some time. And so I think the president has to do uh, a much better job in terms of explaining where we are and what that's going to feel like for the American people. Because, again, the more he feels uh, like things are disconnected, uh, the harder that is going to be. Of course, one of the significant announcements coming from the president was that the U.S. would no longer allow Russians uh, aircraft to fly into U.S. airspace. I'm announcing that we will join our allies in closing off American airspace to all Russian flights, further isolating Russia and adding additional squeeze on their economy. Uh, so, that, again, we were joining uh, the other nations that have already uh, called for this. And, uh, again, I don't think it was anything leading out, uh, but it was just a, a good validation and a good, good uh, source of connection there. The president also uh, went on to the domestic agenda, obviously, uh, where I think things tended to bog down just a little bit more. He did go back uh, to praise the bipartisan infrastructure bill that he signed into law late last year. Our infrastructure is ranked 13th in the world. We won't be able to compete for the jobs of the 21st century if we don't fix it. That's why it was so important to pass the bipartisan infrastructure law. It was a bipartisan effort, and I want to thank the members of both parties who worked to make it happen. We're done talking about infrastructure weeks. We're now talking about an infrastructure decade. And tonight, I'm announcing that this year, we will start fixing over 65,000 miles of highway and 1,500 bridges in disrepair. All right, I want you to put a little bookmark there. We're going to come back to that uh, topic a little later on in the program because so many of these infrastructure bills, again, it, it has passed. It has been signed into law by the president. Uh, and yet, because of the way the funding is going and the way Congress is not functioning, uh, a lot of that just isn't happening. So there's been a lot of things announced in terms of repairing roads and bridges. There's not a whole lot of steel and concrete going into the ground. A lot of governors are frustrated uh, that there's a lot of talk about infrastructure, but there's very little steel and concrete going into the ground uh, in the midst of all of this. And we're going to come back to that just a little bit later on. I want to go back to this idea of inflation because that is what is on the mind of most Americans as they sit around the kitchen table. So the president tried to outline what his plan looks like in terms of addressing inflation. That's why my top priority is getting prices under control. I think I have a better idea to fight inflation. Lower your costs, not your wages. That means make more cars and semiconductors in America, more infrastructure and innovation in America, more goods moving faster and cheaper in America, more jobs where you can earn a good living in America. Instead of relying on foreign supply chains, let's make it in America. I call it building a better America. Building a better America. A lot of those components were formerly known as Build Back Better. So now we're just building a better America. So the president is trying to do some rebranding and some repackaging there. 
Again, he didn't get to a lot of the specifics in terms of how are we going to make things a little bit better? How are we going to build a little bit better for the American people? We're going to stay with the questions and the conversation as it relates to the State of the Union. Again, the president had some good moments. He had some very good bipartisan moments, and he had some flat-out partisan moments. We'll see how all those plays, what they mean for you. Stay with us. More to come on Inside Sources. With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Lloyd Matheson. We're staying with the question just a little bit longer today as we break down President Biden's first State of the Union address and some of the key components of what he had to say, what it actually means, and what it means in terms of where we go next. One of the things that the president talked about last night, uh, of course, was voter right laws. And this is one where uh, he was really demanding Congress to pass uh, some of those proposals that are in front of the United States Senate. In state after state, new laws have been passed. Not only suppress the vote, we've been there before, but to subvert the entire election. We can't let this happen. Tonight, I call on the Senate to pass Pass the Freedom to Vote Act. Pass the John Lewis Act, Voting Rights Act. And while you're at it, pass the Disclose Act so Americans know who's funding our election. All right. Uh, so those were, again, some of the uh, laundry list components uh, from the president's. About two-thirds of the speech was really spent on that domestic agenda that uh, really had a grab bag of uh, things that uh, Democrats in Congress are trying to to move through as part of the president's agenda uh, so that part uh, fell a little flat, I think, in in portions because it was just, again, it's not congruent with what the American people are living and worrying about day to day. Now, I did think it was very smart and very well placed that the president concluded by outlining his unity agenda, uh, which are clearly four things that every American, every member of Congress ought to be on board with and figuring out how do we tackle these big issues. So tonight I'm offering a unity agenda for the nation. Four big things we can do together, in my view. First, beat the opioid epidemic. Second, let's take on mental health, especially among our children whose lives and education have been turned upside down. The third piece of that agenda is support our veterans. Veterans are the backbone and the spine of this country. They're the best of us. Fourth and last, let's end cancer as we know it. This is personal. So again, the uh, the four things there that the president rounded out the speech with, four things that uh, every American get behind in terms of dealing with opioids and mental health, uh, service providing our veterans the services that they need, and of course uh, taking on that moonshot that began when uh, Joe Biden was the vice president of the United States under President Obama, and he was tasked with that moonshot of really getting down to the bottom of the cancer fight, and that fight continues. So those were all good things, I think, a good way to round out uh, the president's speech last night. I want to dig into a couple of the other things because it was really interesting to me. There were two components of the president's speech where the president was really speaking the language of the Republican Party, which I found fascinating. Uh, the first was as it related to COVID-19. And the president outlined that it's time to go back to normal. We don't need control from government in all these areas of our lives. Tonight, I can say we're moving forward safely, 
back to a no, norm, more normal routines. We've reached a new moment in the fight against COVID-19, where severe cases are down to a level not seen since July of last year. And thanks to the progress we've made in the past year, COVID-19 no longer need control our lives. I know some are talking about living with COVID-19, but tonight I say that we never will just accept living with COVID-19. We'll continue to combat the virus as we do other diseases. He also talked about uh, new initiatives where people could receive treatment pills for COVID-19 for free. And now we're launching the test to treat initiative. So people can get tested at a pharmacy and if they prove positive, receive the antiviral pills on the spot at no cost. President went on to say that, you know what, it's just time for people to go back to work. We can end the shutdown of schools and businesses. We have the tools we need. It's time for America to get back to work and fill our great downtowns again with people. People working from home can feel safe and begin to return to their offices. We're doing that here in the federal government. The vast majority of federal workers will once again work in person. Our schools are open. Let's keep it that way. Our kids need to be in school. So really interesting there. The president was really going off of the Republican playbook and talking points as it relates to getting back to work, uh, don't need to have control from government, uh, that we need to make sure our schools are open, that people are getting back to work uh, and moving that forward. So that was a really interesting component, hard for the Republicans to sit on their hands during that portion. Uh, Another part where the president was really using language far more common from Republicans than from his own party uh, had to do with policing. Take a listen. I know what works. Investigating crime prevention and community policing, cops who walk the beat, who know the neighborhood, and who can restore trust and safety. Let's not abandon our streets or choose between safety and equal justice. Let's come together and protect our communities, restore trust, and hold law enforcement accountable. We should all agree the answer is not to defund the police, it's to fund the police, fund them with resources and training. So, again, a very significant shift in the president's rhetoric in those two sections of the speech as it relates to policing. The president clearly declaring the answer is not to defund the police, but to fund the police to make sure they have the training, the resources. And he also, of course, pointed out, importantly, that there needs to be that transparency and accountability uh, as it relates to uh, police enforcement uh, as well. Uh, The unenviable job of the night, which is the response from the minority party, uh, which is part of the State of the Union pomp and circumstance. Uh, This used to be a position that a lot of politicians craved. It used to be kind of a launching point for kind of the up-and-comers, the rising stars in, in either party. Uh, to be able to give this, and often it was to a you know an upstart senator or a, a governor that was doing something really unique, and then there was a were a series of responses to the State of the Union that were just disastrous uh, from both sides of the aisle. It just didn't go, uh, and it's kind of become the the curse uh, for Marco Rubio. Of course, it was the I need a drink of water moment where he's reaching off camera, uh, bad staffing by the way. Uh, that he didn't have that closer and and needed that drink because he was just absolutely parched. Uh, And it is tough. It's tough to follow all of the 
pomp and ceremony that happens, the grandeur of that joint session of Congress uh, in the People's House, and then something you got to respond to that. Uh, that uh, lot this time around fell to the governor of Iowa, Kim Reynolds, uh, delivered the Republican response to the State of the Union. And again, tough spot, but I think she did a good job. She she held her own. She was just straight to camera. She wasn't in front of a group. Uh, but she did point out something significant, I think, that uh, that had some staying power uh, and how President Biden had reduced our inde- our independence and created, made us more dependent on foreign oil. But we shouldn't ignore what happened in the run-up to Putin's invasion. Waiving sanctions on Russian pipelines while eliminating oil production here at home. So again, that was Governor of Iowa, Kim Reynolds, uh, saying, hey, the president has to bear some responsibility for shutting down pipelines and uh, lifting sanctions on Nord Stream 2. Uh, and some of those things that uh, have made us less independent, more dependent when it comes to energy. We'll continue to look at all the different angles from the State of the Union address. More importantly, what comes next? Because after all is said and done at the State of the Union, more is said than is done. We're going to figure out what needs to be done next. Stay with us. We'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. Much more to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.